You're listening to the Dating Diaries podcast with your host, Gemma Joel. Do you struggle to go on a date without drinking alcohol? Or are you looking for ways to reduce your alcohol intake to make improvements to your love life? If the answer to either of these is yes, then today's episode is for you. I'm joined by Katie Matnickel, aka This Sober Girl, as she shares her journey to sobriety and how the removal of alcohol improved her dating life and how you can make sober changes to your dating life too. Hello Katie and welcome to the Dating Diaries podcast. Thank you, thanks for having me. I've been so excited to do this episode because I was writing out all the different episodes that the listeners would benefit from and I thought dating, alcohol, they are synonymous and it's an issue that I think a lot of people are facing in terms of being able to go out there and date people or even if they're in a relationship and find dating activities that don't involve alcohol. So I've personally been a huge fan of yours since I stumbled across your page. It just reiterated to me that like it is possible to be able to kind of give up alcohol, but still be able to enjoy dating, enjoy your life and kind of go with that. It's so nice because obviously when you live your own life and then you make content about it, a lot of the time, like you don't really get feedback. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's really nice. I think people think that people on Instagram just get loads of positive feedback all the time. You actually don't. So it's really nice to hear that you like the content and mostly found it useful or inspiring or gave you a bit of confidence to go on dates and not drink. Because honestly, by the end of this pod, I will have sold it. Like I (laughs) honestly... Like, I need to speak to someone who's been through the highs and the lows to be able to say, like, you might struggle with this, this, this and this. Um, But yeah, I'm really, really happy to have you here. And I'd love it if you could tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and why you decided to become sober in the first place. Yeah, sure. So I am. My name is Katie, but I created a page called This Sober Girl. And I was about six months sober when I created the page. So I stopped drinking on the 13th of November, 2019, where I was 24 years old at the time. And to be honest, I kind of had toyed with the idea of sobriety since being about 20. I did my first sober October when I was 20, although I only did three weeks. Um, three weeks is good though. Three weeks Yeah, 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 true. True, and then and then uh, patted myself on the back with a bottle of prosecco, probably. And then that whole sort of cycle of like a month here, and then I did like three months when I was twenty three, three months sober, and that was amazing. But obviously, when you're in your early twenties, when you're twenties on a, on a whole, there's a social expectation, obviously, attached to socialising and drinking. And maybe not even just in your 20s, maybe just at any age, there's a massive tie between socialising and drinking. I was your classic binge drinker, social drinker. Like I didn't drink in the week, I didn't drink in the morning, I never lost a job through drinking or a family member or a relationship, nothing like tragic like that. It was just more so my mental health was awful. I had suffered really bad anxiety, uh, bouts of depression. It was all pretty much related to my drinking. So as I, as my drinking continued, my drinking got more and more and more. My blackouts got worse. My behaviour got worse. I was more irresponsible, irrational, and I just didn't care about anything when I was drinking. But what's weird is that when I, w- I would never go out with the intention of getting smashed. 
I would always just be like, oh, I'm just going out to like have fun or whatever. And then I would like get smashed mm. by accident, quote unquote, by accident. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, I can resonate with that big time. Yeah, like I just didn't know when to stop. Like I just had no off switch. Uh, so when I was 24, I finally, hopefully, that was my last day one. And I'm nearly three years sober now. And it's been an absolute journey. <laughs> it's been absolutely mad when I think, of the last three years and what's happened I've dated loads <laughs> which we'll go into but it's just been like a really amazing obviously in that time I made the sober girl because I wanted mm. to hold myself accountable but also to inspire other people of a young age youngish females that you can live a life and be confident and sexy and fun without alcohol because there's so much paraphernalia around drinking and confidence drinking and being mm-hmm. se- uh, sexy drinking and having friends drinking socializing that I was just like the more sobriety I got under my belt the more I realized it's just total bullshit and if anything it's actually the opposite because drinking made me towards the end shy self-conscious anxious like it didn't make me any of the things that it sold to me it would have done so that's the sort of story behind the sober girl and then in recent months I decided to change my Instagram name which probably doesn't sound like a big deal to anyone who's not on Instagram but to me I felt like the death of like something like a part of me it was weird so I've bared my soul on the internet like some of my captions I look back I think wow I can't even believe I wrote that because it's just so raw some of the stuff that I said and I'm glad I did because I know it helped loads of people but I changed the name because I just thought well I'm coming up to three years sober now and I'm, I'm a lot more than just my sobriety. I think when you first start drinking, you sort of cling to that as your identity because you've lost your drinking identity, which can be a huge part of who you are. Certainly was for me, like this party girl image. So I changed it recently to Katie McNichol. And actually I've slowed down a lot recently on posting content full stop for various reasons. Like I'm working a lot and stuff and I've just got other things going on in my life. But it's funny that we had this scheduled in anyway, because recently I've kind of been thinking, toying with the idea of starting to make content again. And just seeing if I can pick it back up as more of like a hobby. It's more like a creative outlet really for me as well. So yeah, that's me. Well, firstly, a huge congratulations on being three years sober because I think that regardless of whether, you know, and I'm glad you touched on that, the fact that it didn't actually have, you know, an impact on your relationships or anything like that, but it had an impact on your mental health and it had mm-hmm. an impact on how you felt afterwards. And interesting that you mentioned that actually it had an impact on when, you know, you felt shy, you didn't feel confident when actually a lot of the reasons that people drink is to boost their confidence and to feel good about themselves. Do you become your best version of yourself when you're drunk or do you become the worst version of yourself? I don't think anyone, not that I would know anyway, that, you know, would have that intention to go, I am going to get absolutely black out drunk tonight. I don't want to remember the night. I want to be texting who there and everywhere. I really want to wake up in the morning feeling anxious and depressed. Yeah. <laughs> like that. It's never that exciting feeling. It's always glass of Prosecco with the girls mm. ends up, being like a 4am night stumbling in oh god it's awful and it's it's definitely it was for me anyway unplanned Mm -hmm. and that's how I knew it I was out of control because if I had no plan to get in that state but did then I have no say I stopped and started drinking for four years 
and like it, there comes a point where you think well it's obviously not working for you is it Katie you, you obviously can't moderate you're because you've been trying for four years and yeah. every time so something's got to give so certainly the best decision I, I've ever made and actually when I say to you now like on oh, three years so like I can't believe that sentence like it's it's really weird thing to say out loud for me to hear myself say that it's a huge accomplishment a huge huge accomplishment especially when you've gone from having that party girl image the party girl image can is something that I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with because it becomes just part of your social status especially if you are a social person you know if you're a social person you know that when you drink and when you're feeling social that just kind of goes hand in hand and you know you have a great night and it can be a barrier for many people I guess again myself included that if you've got a group of friends or different groups of friends sometimes you know you're going to go out you kind of know what that night's going to be like before you turn up and I think one of the big barriers is that how do people go on a night out with people that you know might drink a lot and be sober because that can be such a foreign concept to people is this something that you've had to face and how did you manage that yeah definitely I mean uh, my friends that I used to drink with I'm not friends with anymore and I think that there's there was not a definitive moment of I'm going to not be your friend or anything like that it's just it's a very slow process that has taken three years where you grow and change maybe they grow and change maybe they don't and you just sort of outgrow each other go in different directions when you stop drinking you initially think that your idea of fun won't change but believe me it does there's a difference between going to a party with a load of people that you love and respect your decision for not drinking that you feel comfortable and confident enough to just get on the dance floor without a drink you don't feel like you're being judged you don't feel like they're going to force you or make you feel silly for not drinking those are the types of people that in sobriety you will figure out who those people are and naturally you will lean towards those people the people who are judgmental or snooty about it or think that it's a silly idea well first of all it's just because they feel like you going sober highlights their drinking so that's Mm -hmm. that's nothing that's not your problem and secondly that's just a negative situation to be in you will slowly realize I don't even want to be around you like as the benefits of sobriety in other areas of your life will outweigh everything else anyway it it almost doesn't matter going sober is the best way to declutter your life People who drink a lot don't really know who they are. So they drink a lot because they're lost. And so they need it for escapism, which is exactly what I did. Yeah. And so you're naturally an introvert, but you'll drink heavily to become an extrovert. That's just an example. So everybody in your social circle thinks you're an extrovert because that's the version of yourself that you portray to everybody. But then when you go home and you're on your own, you think, oh, I'm so drained from that. Because you've been faking it. Then when you stop drinking, you take that away. All your friends that thought you were an extrovert realise you're an introvert. You don't gel with them, they don't gel with you. So you just naturally peel away. And I, I used to go on nights out with my old drinking friends when I was trying to stop drinking. And the amount of times that I would be like, they call it white knuckle sobriety. So it's like holding on to sobriety for dear life. Mm. Not actually flowing and ebbing into your sobriety and it being natural. You're just clinging on. And that's what I did in the beginning. Like I continued to go to the same places, the same bars, the same clubs with the same people doing the same things. But I was a different person. And then I would drink 
because I felt uncomfortable and also I felt like well this is what I do here so that's what I'm gonna do that cycle stopped me from from stopping drinking for a long time so I think the quicker you can peel away from that the better but it's hard and it takes practice and it's baby steps I would go to a party for literally an hour and leave because I was like, I, can't, I physically can't. But now I can go to a party for six hours and be the last one there and they're kicking me out. It takes time, so you just got to be patient. That's it. You've made some really excellent points there. And I could just like, agree. you know, when you're just in your like mental checklist, I'm like, yes, yes. I've been in so many situations <laughs> like that. I've lost so many friends. I say friends in inverted commas because these are people that I thought I'd been friends with for years. And... Mm. As soon as I didn't want to drink or as soon as I, you know, wanted to do something that was a sober activity, I was deemed as boring. Mm. And I thought, you're not my friend. You will learn to filter out the people who are meant to be in your life and who are not meant to be in your life once you stop drinking. Because when I stopped, I, I would like have a drink now and again, but I don't drink half as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. And I would say I've probably lost about 50% of the people that I used to go out with because I realized that actually the basis of our friendship was alcohol you could wake up with friends and you think oh no obviously we are friends because we're all sober together right now yeah we're hung over together we're over together we're we're having that hangover day where we're all feeling needy we're all feeling like you know we just want to chat to each other but the next time that I'm going to see you is when we're going out and we're going to get drunk I'm so grateful for my girl groups I've been friends with like my girl group since we were kids not one of them has judged me said anything about me being boring when I went to one of their Hindus last year and I was the only person that didn't drink because I said I don't want to drink it's having an impact on my mental health it's making me feel anxious it's making me feel depressed and I was so nervous to be like oh my god what are they going to say because they see me as this party girl who's social and can you know have fun when she's drunk and I thought but hold on I can have just as much fun when I'm sober mm. and I, I actually need to prove to myself that I can do that and be mm. around people so I'm wholeheartedly with you when I say that like you have to still go ahead with those triggers those trigger places you know whether it's a bar or a club or whatever if you stop going there when you're trying to be sober it's you're only like avoiding the inevitable because the next time that you step into that place your brain then goes oh my god the last time you were here you stumbled out of here at 2 a.m or something like that if you go into that place and you go in sober you've got more clarity don't get me wrong you might not have as good of a night as you would if you were drinking but building up towards that you end up having a different kind of fun that's it it's a different kind of fun just avoid things that are going to be triggering for you Mm. in the early stages it doesn't mean give yourself a chance people like oh I can't I can't stop drinking I can't go sober because you keep doing everything that you were doing before and it's it's sad to see because you need to give yourself a leg up you have to change people places and things I can understand it on one side that when people stop drinking completely, they're kind of like, oh my God, what do I do with all this spare time? Did anything significantly change for you when you gave up alcohol? Well, the timing it was a bit bizarre for me because I stopped drinking the, in the November and then COVID came in the March. So I was inside a lot mm-hmm. and I did a lot of, I struggled actually to be fair in my mental health and stuff, but it actually helped me because I couldn't go to these bars and restaurants and stuff that I used to go to with my friends. I have to say, though, my friends that at the time, they were extremely supportive of my sobriety because they knew it was making me unwell. 
and they were they were very very supportive it's just I think over the years we've sort of just gone in different directions we also live in different locations which which doesn't help but I think when when people say oh god what we're going to do with all this spare time you would be surprised how quickly you go god there's not enough hours in the day I'm into the gym and I do a lot of like hiking and walking and like fitness and stuff like that. I've just learned, I'm learning at the moment to cook. So that's like taking up quite a lot of times. My weekends, I'll go shopping, see friends. My priorities are different now mm. and I think my relationships are better now. And I actually do feel a lot of the time like there isn't enough hours in the day, week, month, year. Like it's, yeah. there's too much life to be lived. I can't fit it all in. <laughs> I agree with you. Like when I started this podcast, when I started prepping for everything, I never would have done that if I was still living in London. One of the main reasons that I moved to Manchester was to get away from that party scene because I was living in the heart of Clapham and um, yeah. it's just like beautiful place, amazing nightlife. You know, I absolutely loved it there. But it was getting to a point where it was just monotonous because I thought I'm just spending all this time, even like on a weekday, going out after work, going for drinks, doing this. And then I'm like, I've got a busy job and I can't actually perform at my best because I'm so tired and all I want to do is sleep. I don't want to exercise. I don't want to eat well. It's like a domino effect. And then when it comes to dating, and this is the other thing that I wanted to speak to you about, most first dates, you'd be like, oh, should we just go for a drink somewhere? Because it's something that people think, you know, pretty relaxed. You don't really need to like worry if you want to leave after one, you can. But then what happens when, you know, one turns into three and then into five, and then you end up having a great night with them. Maybe you go home and sleep with them or whatever. And then the next day, you're, you could even convince yourself that you really like that person or you've woken up in the morning absolutely hating yourself, are not going to have a real perception of whether you like that person or not, because you've got to know that person with alcohol involved. And I wonder, has alcohol ever impacted any first dates that you've had? Massively. Like, it, it can't not. It's a, it's a poison <laughs> that lowers your inhibitions. Rosé-tinted glasses, they call it. Yeah. You know, everything's funnier everyone's beer goggles everyone's fitter everyone's more interesting you're more interesting like things that you feel more free you feel more relaxed but it's not true I've I've definitely been in situations where you know one two three four five dates in and you think oh I really like this guy and then I look back and think he's been smashed every time and then obviously you can see them more time sober and you sort of talk yourself into thinking that you like them because like maybe you've slept with them or you've invested time as well. Like it's time invested and that's the best thing about sober dating is it's a very efficient way to date. So how I, what I just said then about decluttering your life and sobriety and getting rid of old friends or whatever. I'll give you an example. I dated a guy last year. I dated him for two and a half, three months. The first month, I was like, this guy is great. Thought he was absolutely great. And then, sort of, as the time went on, I thought, mm, red flag, red flag, red flag. Fucking humongous red flag. If I had been drinking, I know, because he had a lot of good points as well, I have to say. Mm. have a lot of good points too. But his quote-unquote bad points uh didn't suit me didn't suit my personality didn't suit what I wanted out of a boyfriend or a long-term partner husband whatever didn't suit me at all if I had been drinking those things would not have been as obvious to me and it's not even like oh I'm drinking oh I'm gonna hide those things whatever it's just you don't know because you no. just it's not it's not a conscious decision 
and and I think through through dating a lot through having lots of boyfriends and whatever um it's more about learning what you don't want than what you do although sober dating can be a bit like awkward maybe at times and like you might feel like a bit uncomfortable because you've not got the like social elixir of alcohol Mm. it's actually better to just feel out those uh, 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 bits yes and, and actually know what you want yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Like I was saying to you when we, before we started recording, I have got a date after we finish recording today. Yeah. And it's a sober date. And I absolutely love the sober dates. You know, we're going to grab a coffee. We're going to mm-hmm. go for a nice walk on the Mersey, have a chat and get to know each other because I prefer those dates because I can suss someone out. Mm-hmm. If I am meeting up with you, number one, we're busy people, right? Mm-hmm. I've not got loads of time to be sitting there getting to know like I, I like going on dates so whether you could call me a serial dater or not who knows I don't think it's a negative yes, it just shows that we're getting to know different people yeah um but there's so many times I've date I've wasted my time dating by getting drunk and I'm like oh my god I've literally I can't even remember what you were telling me about last night yeah. like I know that we spoke about our exes yeah oh, no. work. I can't actually remember like and now I have said. to date you again yes yes I don't know anything you said I'm that is, you're a total dickhead that, is, that is exactly it and also I feel yeah. like at the time you kind of let things slide when you you've had a drink oh you're like goodness. oh whatever we're having a great time whereas yeah. I know if I'm completely sober and there's one red flag or we can call them pink flags you know you can get like lots yeah. of little pink flags and mm-hmm. then you get like five or six or seven and then you're like honey this is a big red flag this is not gonna yeah. work and yeah I'm now the same as you. I'm not looking for a fling. I'm looking for someone that like I can share my life with, someone that aligns with my values, someone that aligns with my wants and my needs. And I'm going to have fun with because mm. it can get all too serious too quickly. And I forget, like, you know, we need to keep that kind of fun side in it and actually think, you know, can you become my best friend as well as my boyfriend? I got back with my ex who... This is interesting, actually, because it obviously relates to sobriety. I was with him when I was drinking. Mm. We were together for, like, two years or something. We broke up. Uh, we didn't speak for six years. Didn't have each other on social media. I had relationships in that six years. Um, obviously, drank, then got sober. But in that time, I held a lot of guilt about my behaviour when I was drinking, when I was with him. Because that's the other thing, maybe not so much about sober dating, but, but drinking in relationships can be problematic. You can end up arguing about stupid shit and having a shorter temper, um, being irrational. Like it's not, if you're a heavy drinker and you turn into a different person when you're drinking, it can affect relationships obviously. So I spent a lot of time carrying a lot of guilt about my behaviour when I was with him. And he is a lovely guy. And I still stand by that. He is a really lovely guy. Very, very nice person. But we got back together and we dated for about six months. And throughout six months, um, it sort of healed a lot of the areas that I maybe carried a lot of guilt about. I think people that go sober often beat themselves up a lot about who they were when they were drinking. And sometimes it's not accurate. And even though it's good that you take accountability for your your actions and you own your shit, which I think is important in sobriety, and apologise for if you are being a dickhead, sometimes it's okay to be like, it wasn't all just me. 
like yeah. it's not you don't it have takes to, two to tango at the end of the day it really does it really really does anyway long story short in the end we um we broke up and um but i was glad that we got back together and i tried it again because it's taught me a lot about who i was when i was drinking who i am in my sobriety and who i want like i'm a different person and what i would have put up with or excused when i was drinking i'm not going to put up or excuse that now Good on you. Good and on so you. that's that's ultimately why we ended no no bad blood at all like I've just said he's a really nice guy we're just not compatible yeah but if I was drinking well if I was drinking probably would never have got back together but if I was drinking I may not have seen that mm-hmm. and then you may have gone Kate I was like thinking Katie you may have gone you know like what 10 years down the line or whatever and then woke up one day and like god we're really not compatible are we you know like and that's not that's not any dig at you or any dig at me it's just we're just not and that's that's just it and that's okay and so let's just leave it and like move on and that's what we did and then obviously now I'm seeing someone else and I'm really really happy because we're best friends like you just said like that's how it should be that's how um, this is what is good again about being sober and dating if I was drinking I'd have probably, because he was my friend, but there was always something. Like, there was always, like, nothing ever happened or anything like that, but, like, mm. there was always something there. If I had been drinking, I would have ruined it. But because I'm sober and I've got my head screwed on and I'm not a dickhead, it was like it was nurtured through and it was, it was a nice transition and it was slow. It means more now than yeah. just being, like, drunk and then be like, oh, shit, I got with my best friend, whoops. I really, really love that we were friends first and that through not drinking, I didn't mess that up. And through not drinking, I could see signs and things in his personality that matched mine. Mm -hmm. Um, And the little things that he does and the way he treats me and the way he respects me and stuff, I can see it all clear as day. It's just, it is what it is. We're both on the same page. It's very mature and and it's fun. But listen... It's taken years, <laughs> trial and error. <laughs> but you are a prime example of the fact that this is what life can look like. Everything in life either serves you well or it doesn't serve you well. And the things that don't serve you well are the ones that are going to teach you the biggest lessons. You know, mm. isn't that the saying? Like if you keep doing the same thing over and over again and mm. thinking that it's going to turn out differently, like that's insanity. Yeah. like unless you make a change whether that's like a tiny change or a big change that's when you know if the path is going to lead you down a different way or yeah continue for the next five six years doing the same thing feeling the same way about yourself not having the life that you actually want you gain the Mm self-respect to be able to walk away if you know that someone isn't respecting you or isn't doing the most or isn't treating you the right way when I was drinking, I didn't have that. I didn't have any nice. self-respect. I just, I didn't, it didn't exist. Like, I just, I don't, I didn't know what it was. It does come with experience and you have to, like you just said, you either win or learn. It, it sounds so cliche, but it is like a journey and you do yeah. just have to take the rough of the smooth. Like, please believe me when I tell you, I have dated a hundred guys, the good, the bad, the ugly, like, yeah you name it I've experienced it and like it's all part of life and it all leads you to where you need to be you've got to have patience with yourself a lot Mm -hmm. of people expect 
everything to kind of go their way in some respect. And actually, when it doesn't, that's when we start being really harsh on ourselves. Self-compassion can have mm-hmm. huge effect. The practice of gratitude, journaling. I am like an avid journaler because yes, I feel like sometimes I get so in my head. I'm like, the only way that I can actually get out of my head is to write down how I'm feeling. And once I've got those thoughts down on paper, it's such a relief. I feel like especially when you're dating, I used to think all the time, do they like me? Do they like me? And in my surprise, I'm like, do I like you? Mm-hmm. And like, if I've learned anything over the last year, if it's if not drinking makes you feel better, fuck what anyone else says and stop drinking. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's all about the narrative that you tell yourself, mm-hmm. that story that you tell yourself. And yeah. it's funny because you mentioned that about journaling. I've never actually said this on the dating diaries, but the whole reason that it's called the dating diaries is because my journal was basically a dating diary. Amazing. It still, it still is a dating diary. <laughs> and it's like, I've been journaling for so many years. And when I was trying to come up with a name for the podcast, I was like, well, it's got to be the dating diaries. I love this story like that. That's the same with the sober girl. Like, my name was 20-something sober. I'm not, hopefully, I'm going to be sober, like, way into my 30s. Like, it's good to have a little meaning behind something rather than, so that's why I changed it. So I was like, well, I'm always going to be a girl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I may as well be the sober girl. And that yeah. was Katie McNichol, so I'll always be Katie McNichol. Unless I change it to Katie Ruthless McNichol. <laughs> Katie Ruthless? I'm not going to lie, actually, quite, quite a nice name. <laughs> We did have a question for you. I know we've touched on the social situations thing, but we did have a specific question that was, now that I'm sober, I feel like I don't fit in with my friends. I feel so excluded. Maybe I need new friends? That is such a good question. And it's something that I really have experienced like from start to finish. As I just said briefly before, I'm not friends with anyone. Well, I, I, like, I'm loosely friends with some of them and they are still, we're still friendly but they're not prevalent in my life, mainly because I have to protect myself because I am triggered by, which is not their issue. That's the other thing to remember. Don't hate other people for, for them triggering you. Your triggers yeah. are your responsibility. If, if, if you are triggered by something, it's not up to them, it's up to you to fix it, address it, like put a boundary in, do something yeah. to make yourself feel better. So I have done various things to sort of like protect myself from being triggered because the only thing that is the most important thing in my life is my sobriety so I have to do it has to be your number one priority so if that is putting everything else further down the priority list i.e friends Mm -hmm. then you have to do it you have to do it and if you want to continue to be sober so I definitely have like moved myself away from certain people, places and things that maybe triggered me. That's a non-negotiable. The other thing is figure out what you like. And like, that's a really easy sentence to say. And it's like, oh, well, how the hell? It's like when people are like, oh, find your passion. Like what? How I did it was I, um, I just did things that made me feel good. So like I'm massively into the gym and fitness and stuff like that. So a couple of my friends that I used to drink with they are also massively into the gym. So I would like go to gym classes with those friends instead, switch the activity. You're building sober activities with those people that you yeah. know, don't have a need to involve alcohol. Yeah, so that's how you can keep certain drinking friends by doing sober activities with them. Obviously, mm-hmm. if they're not on board with that, as we discussed earlier on in the pod, then they're not your friend. So that makes that an easy decision. <laughs> so get rid of those ones first. 
keep the drinking friends, but do sober activities with them so that you're not triggered. P.S. Watch how your relationship blooms to the next level because you're not just drinking together. So that's another category. Keep some of your drinking friends. And then to make new sober friends, obviously I've been very prevalent on sober Instagram because I've had this sober girl for so many years. I've met so many amazing people through Instagram especially the sober community mm. if you follow this um page called sober girl society which yeah, you probably I love that page yeah amazing they do meetups all up and down the country they do like dance classes or they'll do like um mocktail making or whatever yoga like I did a sober event in Manchester when I was doing the sober girl and it was honestly one of the best days of my life it just shows how Having these communities has it works. a positive impact on people. Mm. It works, it works. And so you just, and yes, it's scary. You've got to put yourself out there. Other sort of thing, sort of category, I would say, is to like revisit old friendships or like old mm. things that maybe you didn't think would work because you were drinking. So for example, my best friends are called Millie and Naomi and they both don't drink a lot at all. When I was younger, we were friends and we were friendly and we were always like acquaintances, never fell out, whatever. But because I was a massive drinker and a massive party animal, well, my priorities were just different. My friends mm. were different. I was friends with people who wanted to go out. So as I got sober, we just sort of started going for more like walks and brunches. And, and you're, like I said as well at the start of the pod, your idea of fun changes. Yeah. So you don't want to go out and get shit faced anymore, or like stay out till two a.m. in like some sticky club. Like you want to get up early on a Sunday and go for a walk, some brunch, and the amount of people that are into that. Another thing is as well, when I stopped drinking, I didn't actually realize how many people aren't massive pissheads. Oh my goodness! Do you know what? what? That was something I forgot to bring up, but so many people are going sober now. Yeah, you'd probably be surprised how many people, and once word gets out that it's like, oh, Jem's stopped drinking or Casey's stopped drinking or whatever, people are like, oh, right, that's like, you know, it's inspiring or like they want to hang out with you now. But like anything, it's, it's new, isn't it? Like meeting new people and making friends, whether you drink or you don't, making friends in adult life is hard. Big time very very difficult so if you see an opportunity take it like I've met so many people like say on Instagram one of my really good friends called Camilla she literally dm'd me like hi I've looked at your page and I feel like we'd get on like do you want to like go for a coffee and I was like yeah and now she's like we just went away together like to the cabin a few weeks ago and like she's like one of my closest friends now so put yourself out there you have this trial and error isn't it because it's like trial and error with me dating which is why when it comes back to the whole serial dating thing and like going out and meeting people do your thing you know meet yeah. people I was saying it to my best friends the other night we were having dinner together and we were talking about this whole like dating thing because I think her boyfriend was a bit like oh my god Gemma goes on a few dates and I'm like well you know it's yeah let me live god <laughs> just let me live you've got to be very lucky to meet someone that you gel with straight away and you're going to have an amazing mm. relationship the likelihood is is that you're going to go on loads of different dates and majority mm. of those people you're not going to want to see again or maybe mm. you do have two three four five dates and realize that actually that's not someone that you want to be with or they've realized that about you so mm-hmm. the dating game you know it is it is a game in a way because you're kind of mm. like fleeting through so many single people to see who's a match for you 
like so many people have said to me, oh, you know, are you going to turn up on the date with like a like a piece of paper with a checklist? And I'm like, no, I just I'm turning up to suss you out. I want to see yeah. if, if I fancy you first and foremost. You know, can mm-hmm. you hold a decent conversation? And do yeah. we have things that are in common? Do we have similar interests? Do you mm. want to do stuff? Would you get on with my friends? All of those kind of things. I guess, um, yeah, it could be like a mental checklist, but I'm not turning up being like, okay, David, for example. <laughs> <laughs> David? I don't think I've ever been on a date with a David. <laughs> Today, I'm just going to get my laptop out and we're going to go through a little bit on my I'm just going to get my Excel spreadsheet out. Yeah, but that's, but that's what I think that they think we're doing. And maybe, no. maybe that's and their it's not experience. being picky. I think in what's, you've, just, you've literally just listed all the things that are fundamental. Your checklist, quote unquote, is similar to mine. But I think the main, the main thing, and this is what I've learned through Matty now, it's about chemistry and connection. Yes. And even though people think like the Tinders of the world and the Bumbles of the world and the Hinges of the world, everything is so face value. Mm-hmm. And like, you can just swipe and like whatever, especially in London, like it's so transactional. Like, the dopamine hit, isn't it? You're like, swipe, yeah, of course. Swipe, swipe, swipe. Yeah. You're it's fit. too easy. Okay. Yes. It's too easy. But you have to, I think, you have to have the same goals and values mm. and like end game. Yeah. Because, like, you know, I'm 27 and you're 30. Like, we're not, like you said, we're not 20 anymore. Mm. And so if you meet someone that you can genuinely have a laugh with, you want, you fancy them and you, and you have the same goals, it's really important to not get distracted by the outside noise of like other options. The grass isn't greener on the other side, it's greener where you water it. That's the most beautiful part, isn't it? Like if you see couples that are like 19, they've been together 50 years. Like oh, that's breaks my heart. I love it's it. Like it can't even it can't be easy to be with someone for 50 years or whatever. So, look at you, but that's but if you compare that now to like our generation of dating, because I think social media and online dating, mm. those two in particular have had mm. a massive, and they are still having a massive impact on our generation of dating. Yeah. Like you said, number one, it's transactional, but yeah. there's always someone out there that, you know, they go, oh, there's someone better looking, there's someone more intelligent, there's someone that earns more money. There's always these these barriers because people aren't willing to actually make things work. And yeah. If, you know, someone else, they fancy that other person more, well, oh, you know, I'll sack her off and I'll just get with the other yeah. one instead. It's that mentality that makes it very difficult for single people. I think regardless of actually what age you are, I think the dating pool now is just shit. It's you, you, it's kind of like finding a diamond in the rough. You know, we say like our dating apps are terrible. They're not like they're great. At the end of the day, yeah. they serve a purpose. Like they're great yeah. for convenience. If you're busy, yeah. you can find someone easily to go on a date with. Yeah. But it's finding the diamond in the rough of being like, am I actually going to find someone that I bond with? Because like you or me, you know, we're fairly normal people. Like I'm speaking for myself here, like you are yeah. normal. <laughs> I'm insane. So <laughs> yeah, that's what I say. Yeah, cl- clinically insane. <laughs> I've dated like a fair few, a fair bit over the last 12 months and I couldn't mm. come out of those situations and be like oh I'm never gonna meet anyone like it's just so like tight because it is tiring it's emotional yeah, it is. Like, a lot of up and downs and like promises mm. of the future that get you know like you you do you can't help but sort of scenario play but like I look back I'm like thank god that didn't work most importantly when you're being honest with yourself you're then going back to your values because I know like a few years ago I try and play this like cool girl thing you know I'd be like yeah 
I'm so happy to have like a little casual thing. And then I'd be ringing my friends crying the next day going, okay, we slept together. I really, really, really like him. He's not texting me back. He hasn't asked to see me again. But to them, I'm going, yeah, in his they'll, text me, they'll text me a week later. How, how are you? I'm like, oh, hey, hon. Yeah, I'm good. You? you know, and it's like, why do we, why do we do that? Like, why do we play the game yeah. right now? You, you created the monster because you told him that you wanted casuals. Yes, like, yes. Yeah. Oh, Sam, she just wants casuals, so do I. Whereas I now, I'm like, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. If I want casual, I will tell you. And if I don't, yeah. then it just won't happen. But yeah. we, I'm sure I'm not alone in, in being like that because we don't yeah. want to. We don't want to come across that. For me, it was also if the alcohol was involved in this, mm-hmm. where I would get that anxiety the next day and then you get in your head and you go, oh my God, do they like me? Do they mm-hmm. not? Should I have done that last night? Should I not? So actually I can, you know, I can vouch for this as well. When you stop drinking as much or even stop drinking at all, you've got way more clarity on a date, especially when you wake up the next day. So now if I go on a date with someone and I still, like, I, like, I went on a date the other day, you know, had a couple of glasses of wine was absolutely fine had a lovely evening with him but even then I was like I'm gonna sleep on it and wake up in the morning and see how I feel and see if I like him or not because even if you've just had like a couple of glasses it does lower your inhibitions and convince yourself that you like someone when actually does sober gem like him no definitely that's the sort of key takeaway isn't it it's like clarity and efficiency Mm. not the two sexiest most fun exciting words when it comes to dating very important yeah, and that's why I hope that the listeners who are listening to this will actually take something away, whether it's one point or ten, or if they've had their notepads out the whole way through and they're making notes. I, I hope that they found something because I honestly, even just speaking to you, it's so nice to speak to someone that's on the same page. And while I'm definitely not a hundred percent sober yet, I've got the like the patience with myself now. I don't beat myself up anymore. If I do go out and get drunk, I go all right, that's fine. But like, I'm just going to go on and get on with my day. I'm not going to sit there feeling sorry for myself as, you know, I would have a year ago. And Mm. that's the thing. It's like, you know, time and consistency and patience are three things that we need to have with ourselves when we're trying to change any part of our lives because the biggest changes and the best changes do not happen overnight. It's years of trial and error and years of like self-reflection, self-awareness. And this is why, why that sober curious term was coined, is because it's very, very rare that someone will just drink, 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 wake up one day and go, I'm going to stop drinking and yeah. then stop for the rest of their life. I know one person, one person has done that. Whereas everybody else, you think how many sober people I talk to every day, mm. it's trial and error. Like, don't beat yourself up about it, self compassion. Try, try again. I like to kind of frame it in the way of look back to like two years ago and look Mm. at yourself right now. Be Mm. proud of the changes that you've made because most likely you were a different person that time. In the next three years, when you turn 30, I turn 33, we're probably going to feel completely different to how we're feeling right now. I think as we expand our mindset, we're learning different things. We're wanting different things out of life. And I love that. Like, I love the natural curiosity of life, life yeah. without alcohol and being able to enjoy the things that you might not have necessarily done. So, yeah, definitely. Like, the, the, that's why people say you need to get like sustained sobriety in your belt because once you start seeing benefits, you, you think, well, why would I ever go back? It's only negative. So, what is one piece of solid advice that you would give someone who is trying to stop drinking? What would be like a starting point? The best place to start is to not overwhelm yourself with the thought of forever. 
because people often think I need to stop drinking, but oh my God, I can't imagine not drinking on my wedding day. Can't imagine not drinking on my birthday. Can't imagine not on services getting, you know, it's birthday next week or getting married next week. What am I going to do? Not drink. Mm. But that's why the phrase one day at a time is used so much in sober community because although it's cliche, and to be honest, I, I, I do try and live one day at a time, but if I'm honest, I probably live like sort of a week at a time or whatever, because I was a binge drinker. So Monday to Friday didn't bother me. It wasn't like, oh, I have to get through until Tuesday. It was like a weekend at a, at a time for me back then. But just don't think about the future too much. Like just get through the day or the weekend because what you will find is, say, you know, oh, it's Jem's birthday in six months' time. What am I going to do? Not drink at a party when everyone else is drinking. But what you what you forget in that moment is that by then, you'll have six months of sustained sobriety under your belt. You'll be fine. You'll enjoy it. You'll be much more comfortable in your own skin, in your own sobriety. Like, you'll have a lot more practice. There's things that I've done over the last three years that I would never have thought I'd have been able to do if I wasn't drinking. Like last night, even for example, like my cousin's 18th birthday, didn't think twice about a drink. For somebody who is like, you know, dependent on alcohol in social situations, you will have fun again. You will have more fun again. You will have better relationships with other people, but most importantly, yourself. So you have to just believe that a lot of drinkers are really, really cruel to themselves. Mm. You really do beat yourself up about things that, are either not true or exaggerated it's never as bad as it seems really truly um so yeah a day at a time that's why I got my tattoo when I was a thousand days sober I got 24 tattoo uh, it's my first ever tattoo and I got the words 24 on my forearm it's the age that I stopped drinking but also a reminder that there are just 24 hours in a day and that's a good daily reminder to have that yeah of course very very inspiring and a lovely way to end the podcast so take it one day at a time and be kind to yourselves if you've enjoyed today's episode i'd be really grateful if you could take some time to rate and subscribe to the podcast if you give my instagram a follow at the dating diaries underscore underscore you'll be kept up to date with the latest episode information as well as accessing lots of key tips to support you with improving your romantic relationships i also really love hearing from my listeners so feel free to pop me a dm and i'll get back to you when i can that's all from me for now Take care and I'll be back soon with another episode for you all.